What do you need Jesus to do for you? I was thinking about this passage in Mark chapter 10, and it's when blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, and you know his need is obvious, but Jesus actually says, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that interesting? I mean, Jesus knows he's blind, but it's almost like he wants him to ask. He wants him to, you know, ask this. And so this morning, um, as we kind of have our, our brief time of prayer, I would like to just pause for a minute here and let's bow our heads. And I'd like you to just take whatever it is that you need Jesus to do for you uh, to prayer. Uh, maybe maybe it's a change of circumstance. Maybe it's endurance to endure the circumstance. Maybe it's a change of attitude. Uh, maybe it's a spiritual spanking. I don't really know what it is that you need, but um, take what it is that you believe you need and take it to Jesus, okay? So let's just bow our heads here just for a minute. Do that. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of coming into your presence in the form of prayer. And maybe prayers went up for healing, maybe prayers went up for direction, for help, for, for changes in our lives, um, to fill us with joy, to fill us with your spirit, whatever it was, Lord, I just thank you that you heard every prayer, and thank you that... Uh, um, as you invited Bartimaeus, uh, as Jesus invited Bartimaeus to, to ask what it is he needed, Lord, thank you that you invite us to take all of our requests to you. And Lord, we want to lay our burdens down here. And uh, thank you that we are talking to the God of the universe through prayer that uh, nothing is impossible for the God who spoke a word and it all existed. And so, Lord, thank you that we put our hope in you, the God who hears us, the God who answers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are on our second week here in this new series, um, which is uh, talking about going through the book of Colossians. And as the title slide says here, that it's really the theme is Christ over all, uh, Christ over every area. Uh, Christ should be, uh, one a word to give it would be preeminent, First, have first place in every area of our lives. And so um, what I'd like to do here this morning is we're going to take a look at this section, uh, Colossians 1 verses 9 to 14. And in these few verses here, we will see Paul lay down a prayer for these, this group of believers, and we will see him talk about what it looks like to live a life that's worthy of our calling as believers. And so if you're able to, why don't you stand with me in honor of the Word of God, if you're able to, and we will read aloud these few verses together here. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. Let's read it aloud. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to God the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's holy word. Please have a seat. Well, this all kind of breaks down nicely, actually, um, when we see this. Um, we have the prayer, the purpose of the prayer, and then a picture of a pleasing life. This is really, I mean, the three Ps. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, right? So um, the prayer, in one sense, is a pretty simple prayer request, okay? And let's just take a look at that in verse 9. Um, in verse 9, and just to remind you, even though we, we just kind of said it, but we said a lot of things, um, it says there, and so um, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So there he's asking, right? He's asking that these believers, okay, they are believers, would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I think in the context here, he's not really kind of saying that, you know, what job should I take? Uh, where should I live? And not that, not that it's wrong to pray for those things. But I really think in the context, he's really uh, telling them that they need to understand what God has already said, right, uh, in his word. And uh, we understand the will of God through the Word of God. All right, that's important for us to understand. We understand the will of God through the Word of God. And so he's really praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, but not just like informationally know these things, but that phrase there where he says, um, where he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Think about what wisdom is. Wisdom is kind of the application of knowledge. It's knowing how to take that will of God that God has expressed in His Word and how to apply it to your situation. And that really, we need spiritual wisdom. We need spiritual understanding. Um, I don't know everybody's situation here, that you're, all the things that you're going through. You don't know all the things I'm going through. Um, each of us needs spiritual understanding and wisdom. And it starts with the foundation of the Word of God, knowing what it says. But then we need God's help. We need His Spirit to understand how to bring that Word to bear on our particular situation. All right. Does anybody here feel that? Where you're like, God, I, I know what you say here. I, I need to know how to bring your word to bear on my situation. Right? 
And I think that if we're honest, we all probably have that in some arena of our life. Maybe it's a relationship that needs restored. And maybe you know the things that God says about restoring relationships and, and love and forgiveness and not to, uh, to uh, hold on to, you know, uh, have a spirit of unforgiveness and then turn into bitterness. But maybe you just don't know how to tackle the particular situation in the relationship that you're in. In other words, you know what God's will is, but you need spiritual understanding. And so that's, that's what he's getting at. That's what he's getting at. In fact, Psalm 143 verse 10, I think really gives us uh, a look at this particular idea. The psalmist says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. That first phrase there, teach me to do your will. That's what we're talking about. It's like, it's not just teach me what it is, but teach me how to do it in my situation. And of all the things that Paul could pray for these group of believers that we believe he had never actually met in person, but learned about their spiritual progress from this brother named Epaphras. Of all the things he could pray, he prayed this. He prayed, I pray that you would know the will of God and have spiritual understanding on how to put it into practice. That's, that's what we need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray that for one another. In addition to the need of the moment, like I was saying the other day, we need to pray these prayers, these model prayers in, in, in people's circumstances. When you don't know what to pray, pray this. Pray that God would reveal to that person you're praying for not only what the Word says, and maybe He'll use you as a conduit to communicate the facts of what His Word says about a particular scenario, but then how to carry that out, how to do His will. Teach me to do your will. And this, this takes discernment, right? Uh, and, and I think it's kind of interesting to hear that he prays that they would be filled with it. Not that they would just have a little bit of spirituality, but they would be filled with it. Um, that they would have just all that they need uh, in this area of their life. So there's the prayer, right? And he puts here uh, in verse 10 the purpose of the prayer. The purpose of the prayer is in verse 10, at least in the, be- the beginning part. And so let's take a look at that verse 10 again, where he says, um, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And I think that those words that I just read, I think they're really His purpose in praying for this. It's, you know, Because you got the, so as to walk. I pray these things so as so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully, being fully pleasing to God. And so he's saying you, you can't really live a life fully pleasing to God unless you know what His will is and have spiritual discernment to carry it out in your life. Um, so he's saying if you, if you have that, then you will live a life that's pleasing to God. And that's the why. That's the why. I mean... Hey, we're going along pretty quick. Maybe we'll be out here in just a minute. Now, we're going to spend most of our time on some of the particulars coming up. But, but it's, it's good to know that, you know, when you read the Bible and, and we see this prayer and, and, and just to follow along Paul's uh, logic. And he, 
he writes very structured, right? And so a lot of people like to preach them. I like to preach because it makes for great sermons because <laughs> you could just break it down. Whereas when you go to 1 John and, uh, and, and you read the letters of John, or at least 1 John, it's kind of circular. He's saying a lot of the same things over and over, which I'm saying, you know, we're going to preach the whole word of God regardless of how it's written down. But it's a challenge to kind of communicate. It kind of sounds like you're preaching the same sermon every week. But, but we have here his, his, his prayer. We have the reason he's praying it for them. And then he's going to spend most of his time really talking about and breaking down a picture of a life that's pleasing to God. Okay, and so there's really four things we're going to look at just in our, our, the remainder of our time together. Four things, a picture of a life that's pleasing to God. And I'm assuming if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you care what Jesus thinks about your life. You care what Jesus uh, thinks about your marriage, how you work, how you uh, live your life behind closed doors. You care about that. Uh, because when we say he's our Lord and Savior, we say he's calling the shots, right? So I really care what he thinks more than what anybody thinks is how, is how it should be, right? Um, now, we, sometimes that, uh, we struggle with that, for sure, in our flesh. But, but we really want to live a life that's pleasing to God if we're his children. That's our desire. We fall short. We know it. That's why we need a Savior right? But let's take a look here. Let me just remind you of these verses 10 to 12 here. Uh, We already read the first part of 10, which says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And here we go. Here's the list. What it looks like to live a life pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, and then in verse 12, giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. So there's four things kind of wrapped up in there that give us a picture of a life that's pleasing to God. And let's just take a look at the first one here. Bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. You know, the fruit here is most likely good works. Uh, most likely doing good works, doing the will of God. Um, and the kind of good works that you and I do and the degree of their fruitfulness is going to vary, right? You've got different ways of doing things. I've got different ways of doing it. We each have different strengths and weaknesses. So the, the works that we do for God in his name are going to be different, and that's good, right? Uh, this, this diversity is good in the body of Christ and because we're going to meet different needs, Right? Not only within the church, but outside the church walls. We're going to be, uh, because you will have within you a God-given passion or passions to do certain things, uh, to do God's work and to do good works for him in his name. All right? Um, and so, but just realize that degree of fruitfulness is going to vary. In fact, there's a parable that talks about bearing fruit and it talks about, you know, some had, you know, 30-fold, some... 60-fold or whatever it was, it was a different idea of pers- the different types of uh, degree of fruit. And that's okay. It's not a, it's not a uh, competitive game between us to see who can get the most fruit, okay? It, you're running your own race, okay? In this sense, as a Christian, you are, you're living, you're, you're taking what God has put within you, right? And, and as also, as you, be, as you are filled with His Spirit as a believer, 
and wanting to take those gifts and abilities to do good works in his name. And that's going to look differently. Two people with the same teaching gift. So one person might like, I don't, I don't want to teach adults. You know, I want to teach kids. Other person say, don't put me in with the kids. I don't know what to do. Put me in with the adults. You know, whatever. I mean, there's so many, there's same, same giftedness, but different outworkings, right? Um, and so, but, but bearing fruit in every good work. Um, and, and, you know, so as we live lives that are pleasing to God, we don't want to just do good works, but we want to actually, we want them to really have an impact, right? We want them to bear fruit. Uh, we don't want to just do things to do things. We, we want to do things because you know, God is kind of pointing us that direction, using us uh, in the circumstances. Sometimes these things just come up on you like, you know, here you are, you know, and you've got an opportunity to shine for Jesus, uh, to help somebody or share with somebody or do something. Um, and, and, and then you're going to, hopefully, that will bear fruit. Now, one thing I think it's important for us to remind uh, ourselves is that our relationship with God is not established by good works. Okay? Uh, our relationship with God is not established um, by good works. Okay? It is evidenced by them. Okay, that's, that's very important to get that order. Um, and, and I want to remind us of some uh, scripture here in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, not, uh, this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. And so here we're just reminded that, you know, grace is a uh, uh, is getting what we don't deserve, right? That's a very simple uh, definition of grace, is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve Jesus Christ going to the cross for us. Uh, you know, it should have been us hanging there because we're the guilty ones, right? And so we see, we are. it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's faith is what saves us, faith in the Savior, faith in what he did, right? It's a gift, and God doesn't take his gifts back, okay? He, it's a gift, it's just that. It says then in verse 9, not a result of works. If you, if you thought that works entered into salvation at all, he's saying, nope. If you missed the first phrase, now we're making it clear, not a result of works, all right? So that no one may boast. You know, nobody's going to be able to stand before God on that day who's a believer uh, true believer in Jesus, and 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 you know, and say, you know, I did it. I made my way here. I I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and was a spiritual entrepreneur, and I and I've made it here, you know. And he's going to say, sorry, wrong door, okay? Because that's not how one comes to faith, you know, comes to a relationship with God. It's through faith in what Jesus has done, not by good works. Now, um. He's demonstrated his love by saving us for, for those that put their faith in him. And he's saved us for a reason. Yes, he loves us, but he also has uh, good works for us to do. And that's what the next verse says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Um, have you ever thought about that? That just that God has fashioned you. And he saved you, uh, and he's got things for you to do. I mean, you specifically. 
Um, that just kind of blows my mind that, you know, that our God would have such a relationship with us personally that when he had you in mind, when you were created in your mother's womb, he's like, okay, this person here, I've got some great things for them. I can't wait till they live in the fullness of all my uh, grace and my will and just experience what I've created them to do. And, um, you know, I don't know that that's what he's thinking, but I'm just, it's probably so much better than that. Um, but, but he has created you for good works. And so um, I think that uh, one of the things that we could do as followers of Jesus is we could just, uh, when it, whatever you're going in the car somewhere, um, just ask God, God, is there some good works you've got for me on the way? Are there some good works you have for me where I'm going? Um, or if you're getting on the phone call, Shoot up one of those, I call them Nehemiah prayers, where just you're right there in the silence, in the quiet of the moment. Lord, what kind of good work you got for me here? You know, what, it, so it's, it's looking. Uh, it's, it's, and some people call it being on a God watch. You know, what, is he, what has he got for me? What does he want me to do here? And, uh, but, but we want to bear fruit for God, um, for him, uh, and so we can point people to him. And so, uh, so it's important for us, though, because some people, when they... Uh, we start talking about these good works and they think that, well, maybe I'm trying to make myself more acceptable to God. And that's not the case whatsoever. What Jesus did on the cross makes, and when you put your faith in, it makes you fully acceptable to him. Okay. There's not anything you could add to what Jesus has done. Okay. Um, and so, so your good works will not make you um, uh, more lovable in God's eyes. Okay. Um, but but again, I think it's kind of like uh, the parent who's like got this, this uh, wonderful plan uh, that, for the day for their kid, and they just want them to, they know they're going to love it. They know they're, they, because of the way they're wired, they're going to love it. You know? And so um, we, we need to see that these good works are just, it's how God's made us. And we flourish when we participate in them as well. It doesn't mean that none of those good works are going to be hard, by the way. Okay, but but he's designed us for them, okay? All right, so bearing fruit in every good work, that's the first thing. The other thing here that's in the list was, um, was growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God. You know, Christians are meant to grow in the knowledge of God. Um, well, certainly, you know, and I, I truly believe every Christian should be a theologian, okay? Um, you should be, you should be, a, theology is the study of God, <laughs> okay, so, um, and, and if you have a negative view of theology, I don't know why that is, maybe it's because you think there's just a lot of head information, or you don't like to read theological books, or, or, or whatever, but I, I do think that, you know, we are to be students of God, and, and who, what he's like, and so, on. of course, the scriptures, right, um, the study of theology is, should be coming out of the scriptures, right? Uh, if you've ever read, uh, has anybody ever read a, a book that would be in the category of called a systematic theology, kind of a way to put systematize some things, okay? Um, now, all you leaders uh, that should be raising your hand because we did some years ago, okay? Uh, how quick we forget. Um, we went through uh, different uh, versions of um, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, and, and it, it's not to say that, um, <clears throat> you know, the way, the way Wayne organized it there was the end-all, be-all, whatever, but it's just nice to kind of 
study in categories because what this is systematic theology is basically taking a lot of topics that come up in Scripture and trying to look through all through the Scriptures and try to understand what are some of the things it says about that topic. Okay? It's, it's, it's a man-made system, okay? but, but it's done right. I think it's coming out of um, the Scriptures. I've actually been on a quest to learn more about a category. Now, this has nothing to do, it has something to do with what we're talking about, but about you know, the knowledge of God. I've, I'm on a quest to learn more about what's called biblical theology. Okay? And biblical theology is kind of looking at the grand theme of the Bible and how each book of the Bible and the different phases in it uh, fit into the whole. And then, and then looking at how the covenants that are there progress and fit into God's plan. I think it's, it's a worthy study of anybody that wants to learn that way because when you just jump into a book of the Bible, you've got to kind of know, like you're, you're, it's, like, it's like going back in a time machine in part of God's plan, and you might misunderstand what he's saying unless you know, like, you know, what does the time machine say? Where am I? Where am I in God's covenants? Where am I in the history of redemption? It will help. And so, anyway, just FYI for your own information. Um, there's, uh, I'll, I think probably in the next newsletter, I'll maybe mention some resources that if you want to, for people that like to read, for people that like to watch videos, uh, some people don't like to read or have trouble reading. I understand that, but but uh, it's just good to grow in the knowledge of God. This is something we need to do as believers. Um, also, you know, Paul, he, he asks these believers to be filled with the knowledge of God's will for their lives, right? He says, which should result in obedience, right? Which he says that should result in a greater knowledge of God. So he, he's praying that they would grow in their uh, understanding of God's will, right? And, uh, and then he's saying that should result in them doing some things, which then results in them growing and having a more intimate walk with God. Have you ever thought about that, how when you step out into the will of God, you, know, you, you read something in Scripture, you, you know that he's showing you this is something that you need to do, and you step out on it in faith and do what he's telling you to do? You grow in your intimacy with God. You grow in your relationship with God. Um, John 14, 21, probably one of my favorite verses. You probably heard me say it a hundred times over the years, but I'm going to say it again because they gave me the microphone. So, but here it is. Uh, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or reveal myself to him. And I really think one of the things that verse is telling us is that as we obey the Lord, right? He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps it, right? He's showing that he loves me, but also I will draw near to him, right? And so there's something about uh, not only growing in the knowledge, but then stepping out into the will of God and doing it. Um, We grow. We grow that way. Um, You know, I wonder, if you were to sit down sometime this week if you were to uh, draw a timeline in your life and you would have put down, what are the milestones, the spiritual milestones in your life? Uh, where you know that God was working 
um, in your life, and, and I, I know he's always working, but I mean like the things that really stick out to you, right? And I think about, like, if I were to do that, I'd think about, you know, um, the, uh, the little devotions that my mom had with my sister and I on her bed. It's probably only one of the few memories I have at uh, 1004 Mulberry Street in Troy, Ohio, that house I was born in. I wasn't born in the house, but, I, you know, the first few years of my life, this is one, one of the few memories I have was of my mom reading to us uh, on my sister's bed these little devotions. Um, and, and so, you know, these are things that I remember, but then I just think about church camp one year. I went to church camp. Um, I made some kind of a profession of faith there. I, I don't know if I knew what I was doing or not, but God was working. He was working in my heart. Um, I was on cloud nine after that. And that was in the fourth grade, um, fourth or fifth grade. You know. uh, but anyway, so, um, and so you just go down through and you, and you think about this, these, these, these things that God has, uh, has put before you and he's just done an amazing thing to show himself to you. Okay? And so God wants us to grow closer in our relationship to him, to grow in the knowledge of God, but um, in a way that it, it turns into action and belief. Because not everything you read in the scriptures is something to do. Sometimes it's just something to believe. To believe about God, to believe who he says something about you and how we're made, um, to, to how he says how the world was made and, and, and how the world is and the problems in the world. He, he has a lot to say about those things and the source of those problems. Um, and so we, what we need to do is we need to grow in our knowledge of God. That, that pleases the Lord, right? And so may this be a year that you grow in your knowledge in Him and really pursue to know more what He's like, okay? Now, the next thing, being strengthened for the purpose of endurance and patience, right? Being strengthened for the purpose of endurance and patience. So where are we getting this from? All right, so uh, verse 11 where it says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Well, you know, if you're going to have some, you know, this is, um, you know, what, what do some people to get, do to get energy? Yeah, five-hour energy, right? How many commercials have you seen of those over the years, right? And I, if you've had one, I don't care. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm just saying, you know, but this is spiritual power that we're talking about, okay? And he's saying, you need endurance. You need endurance. You know, you, you need, we need endurance for the Christian life. We need patience for the Christian life. We, um, uh, we you know, because God's working on his time frame, not on the one that you have for your life. Right? And that can be frustrating for us if we don't like the path God has us on. All right? and so what we need is we need to be strengthened with his power. And I love the way he says it in that verse. He says, according to his glorious might. It's like, you know, the most spiritual power you could ever plug into is the Lord God. And he's saying, I, I want you to have the power. Paul's praying that they would have God's power to have endurance and patience, because that's what he says. He says, um, for all, that's the reason. He says, for all endurance and patience 
with joy. Uh, We need endurance to bear the burdens that come with being a faithful follower of Jesus. There are some hard things involved in following Jesus. Okay? Um, We need to rely on His power within us to give us the power to patiently wait as He works all things according to His will. Okay? This is, this is the thing, is that we often think we need this spiritual power to, you know, um, to deal with other people. And, and yeah, we need that too, but, you know, God's saying, he's saying, no, you need this power we're talking about here so that you will have endurance as a Christian. Um, I attended a Promise Keepers uh, conference years ago, and I think it was... Um, Steve Farrar, who said that he had written the knee in the back of his Bible. And I may be saying the wrong person, but I think it was Steve. Um, he listed off a certain number of names of people that he had either graduated with or something like that from a seminary, and only like out of ten, only two of them were still following the Lord at that time. And so it's, you just realize, you know, that it, it takes the power of God to help us endure continue to follow Jesus the way he wants us to, right? And to, to um, you know, sometimes my tendency is just, you know, um, coasting doesn't sound like a bad idea, <laughs> right? It's just closing my doors, uh, going into my home, putting the garage door down and say, let the world go away, you know? Sorry, I can't sing a note, but anyway. Uh, you know, and, and I, girl, I get that. Uh, but, you know, God thrusts us out into the world. That's, we're, we're supposed to be a people on mission, right? And we need strength for that. And so he's saying, listen, I, I want you to know the will of God and have spiritual discernment so that uh, you would be, then it would translate into being strengthened uh, for the purpose of endurance and patience. Now, the last thing he does say to us here is about just the idea of joyfully giving thanks to God. A, a life that is pleasing to God is one that is thankful, that's joyful. Now, I get it. You know, some of us may have come in here today and just had a really raunchy week, and, and uh, the idea, the concept of joy right now that seems so far, or the idea of giving thanks seems so far from where we are. But... Um, I'll tell you, as I look at the last few verses in this section, look at, um, look at verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How can you not Read those three verses and not be thankful if you're a Christian. That this is what God has done for you, right? He says, you're, you're now qualified because of who you are in Jesus to share in the inheritance of the saints, those who will go to heaven and inherit heaven and all that comes with that. And then he says, by the way, you know, there's only really two types of people in the world. Those who are in the domain of darkness and those who have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Think about that. Every person you ever meet or ever will meet is in one of those two 
arenas. Either part of someone who has been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son or someone who has, uh, is in the domain of darkness. And, and many times, you know, doesn't even know it, right? And so, but God, as we've, we've if he's speaking to believers here, if you're a believer, he's saying, this is what's happened. You know where you were and you know where you are now in God's sight? That's, that's, that's right there is just enough for us to give thanks for all eternity, right? We don't deserve that. And then he says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All of our sins, past, present, and future, that we'll commit against God, against each other, forgiven in Jesus. Forgiven in Jesus. And so I think that, uh, and I'm not downplaying the difficulties of life. I'm not saying that there aren't hard things that we weep over, and we should, and we, you know, we grieve. But there is cause for much joy and thanksgiving in the Christian life because of what God has done. And I think that's really what Paul's saying, is that, you know, I, I just pray that, uh, that God would help you grow in your, your understanding of his will so that you will uh, realize all that he's done for you, and that translates into joy, and it translates into thanksgiving that's turned right back to him. That pleases God. That pleases God. If you're a parent, um, or maybe you've been a mentor to somebody, um, and you know when you do, you know, as a parent, uh, and I'm just going to assume we're all good-hearted parents wanting to do good for our kids, and you do things for your kids sometimes, and they um, and they don't acknowledge it, and they don't acknowledge, it, and you're just like. I just want a little credit, you know. And, and, you, and so it's it's uh, you know. And so I'm just thinking that, and I, and I know God knows our feelings and everything. But I'm just thinking God has done so much for us. Um, we should just return thanks to Him, and and that pleases Him, it's just like it would please you for your your son or your daughter to just say, you know, hey, thanks, mom, thanks, dad, and usually they. They, you know, um, you, you get a brain back. What I mean by that is, you know, at some point as a parent, you, you, you have no brain, according to your children. You don't know anything, okay? At some point, um, usually you get a brain back, and they recognize that, okay? Um, I, I did this to my parents, so I'm just, I can only speak from my experience. I didn't think my parents knew anything. And now I realize a lot of the wisdom that they had, and I'm appreciative of that, and have told them that before. Um, so, God loves it when we turn thanks back to Him. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You are um, a God who loves us so much that You would send Your Son Jesus to die for on the cross, die for us on the cross, and that um, You desire for us to know your will, and not just to know information, but to know how to put it into practice at school, uh, with our roommates, uh, on the job, uh, in every phase of life, during the, the, the young kid years, or the, the teen years, or the empty nest years, or uh, when, we, when a lot of the time of our years where a lot of our friends are, have long died. 
It's so many different phases of life we go through, Lord. But you want us to know your will and how to put it into practice in every phase of life. Father, we do pray, as Paul prayed, Lord, give us that kind of spiritual insight and wisdom. And Father, we just pray that as a result of that, we would be bearing fruit in every good work for you that's done in your name in our life. That we would be growing in our knowledge as a result. That we would rely on your supernatural power for the purpose of endurance and uh, of patience. And we, Lord, we also just pray that our lives would be lives of praise to you, lives that turn thanks to you, that, that don't just take our salvation for granted, but that Paul mentions here, joyfully giving thanks, joyfully giving thanks here um, to the one who has qualified us to share in this inheritance. We're so thankful for that, Lord. Give us the grace, Lord, to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.